What's going on, guys? How are we? It's good to see you on this Christmas morning, I mean Halloween week morning. Uh, hey, if you're a guest or you're checking things out, welcome to LifeBridge. We are, we're glad that you're here this morning. Today or whenever you're here, just make yourself at home. Couple things before we dive in uh, real quick. Thursday is actually Halloween, which again is kind of hard to believe. Um, so this coming Thursday night, we are not going to have services, and here's why. Halloween is a perfect opportunity for us to be in our neighborhoods, be in our communities, and we get a chance to rub shoulders with countless amount of people. Um, if you've never met your neighbors, this is a perfect icebreaker as you take your children to their front door to get candy. Just parenting advice. Know the people that are giving your kids candy when they go to their front door. I don't know. It's just something my parents taught me when I was a kid. Um, you're also going to get to meet them when, when they come to your house. It's also a huge opportunity for us to be a blessing. Like what if we were the people that gave out the best candy? Don't be the house that's passing out dum-dums, smarties, and apples. If that is you, just like stop, just stop. Like Everybody is talking about you behind your back. I just want you to know that. They're saying, hey, that house that keeps passing out fruit and toothbrushes, let's egg that house later tonight. Like just a heads up, that's happening, all right? But seriously, like, what if we gave the best candy? Like, what if we were the best candy givers and, and the most generous? And, and I know that sounds um, a little silly at first, but I want to throw out that challenge. Like, give the best candy. Actually, here's a real challenge. Give out full-size candy bars. Like, be that house. And, and I, know it, I know it sounds silly, but um, when you do that, you're actually reflecting Jesus. Like, we have a great and generous God that's been so generous and gave us his best. Why can't we do something like reflecting that on something simple like giving out good Halloween candy? I would love it if LifeBridge people had the reputation of giving out the best candy, all right? Um, and I want my kids to come to your houses, all right? So just heads up, all right? I'm, gonna, I'm evaluating what you're giving out. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get off and I'm going to get in trouble here. Um, but seriously, use next Thursday night as an opportunity to be a blessing in your communities, in our neighborhoods, and then be back here next Sunday because next Sunday is baptism weekend. First weekend of every month, we celebrate with people who are going all in with Jesus as their Lord and Savior by taking that step to being baptized. And maybe that's you right now. Like maybe you're ready to take a step of faith and start following him and you're like, ah, well, I don't have my life cleaned up. You don't clean up your life before you come to Jesus. That happens afterwards. Just come as you are. Well, I got some questions. I got some doubts. Great. Bring them. Like you don't have to have your life cleaned up. You don't have to have all your questions answered to come to Jesus. Just take a step of faith and follow him. And if that's you and you're ready to take that step to being baptized, or you just have questions, you want to have a conversation, man, go find somebody in the lobby after the service with a lanyard and a name tag on. They can help you take those next steps and get you connected. Or you can go to our website, lbcc.org baptism to find out more info there and connect with our staff. And we'd love to have a conversation with you. We already have people that are ready to go that are going to get baptized next weekend. So I'm already pumped. All right? We good? Quick question, how many of you like practical jokes? Anybody like practical jokes? All right, okay. Why are you nervously laughing already? I'm not going to pull one on you right now. Like, uh, you like practical jokes, you like watching them happen to other people. Like, of course you like watching them happen to other people. Um, I love to pull practical jokes, love to watch them happen to, to you, not me. Um, I'm not a big fan of it when it happens to me, but you know what? If you're going to dish it out, you got to be willing to take it, right? So. I don't know why I'm going to tell you this. I'm probably going to regret telling you this, but this is going to set us up for where we're going. One of my favorite 
practical jokes that I, I liked to pull with friends long time ago. Not now, long time ago. This is, this is dumb, but this, just stick with me. Um, you had to be in a crowded area. Uh, it could be a city block. It could be a park. Anywhere where there was a lot of people. And you had to have a tree. Couldn't be a wimpy tree. It had to be a full size, like a good-looking tree. And you would go into the middle of this crowded, crowded area. And you'd walk up right to the tree. And we would just stare up into the tree, start pointing like, like somebody was up there. Nobody's there. And then we would just start yelling in the middle of everybody, hey, get out of the tree. Now, get out. Like, you got to be committed to this. Like, you got to be confident and convincing. Like, you can't laugh. You can't break character. And then after about 10 or 15 seconds, everybody around you would start doing this. It's like, again, nobody is in the tree. We're just trying to mess with their heads. Like, I had a friend that was way too good at this joke. I mean, he would go, he would find the most crowded area and just let it out. Like, hey, get out of the tree now. I mean, he was scaring everybody because he was so loud, but immediately they'd start looking up in the tree because he was so confident in what he was saying. He was so, he was so convincing. And we would just stand back here trying not to laugh. Like and all the people are just staring up in the tree. And he would take it a step further. He would go, all right, last chance. Get out of the tree now. If you don't get out now, I'm going to get your mom or the fire department. Last chance, get out. Okay, okay, I'm go- I'll be right back. And he, he would leave. And there would be people just like, what's going on? And then every once in a while, you'd get somebody that would go like this. Oh, yeah, right there, right there. Then, Dude, we got you, bro. We got you good. Um, and then you'd have a couple people that would play cool. They'd, you know, oh, there's nothing there. They'd start to walk away, look to see if anybody's watching them. Nobody's watching them. They'd look back up and go back. And, and really, somebody wants to climb the tree. Nobody's in the tree. And, and my friend was so good, he would slip out of it. And nobody would even notice that he was gone. I wish this was when cell phones had video uh, cameras. We would have great footage of just watching people the whole time. Just, you getting this? Oh, I'm getting this. This is going up on Facebook immediately. Just awesome. Like, I know it sounds stupid. It was stupid. But it was just fun to mess with people's heads and fool them into looking up into a tree and there was nobody there. And, and, it, and it might sound funny to, to mess with somebody like that where, where you fool them into something that's meaningless. It just, if that's you, though, like, how do you feel? Like, if you get, if you get duped into looking into a tree for, for a while and there's nobody up there, yeah, you might feel ridiculous for a second or two. But, like, what happens if you get fooled into something a little bit more serious? Like, you get fooled into something that costs you something. You know, maybe you get fooled into a bad business deal. Or you get fooled into partnering with somebody on a school project when really all that they want, they just want you to do all the work. What if somebody fools you into taking advantage of your generosity? And then what happens if it's something even more serious? What happens if it it costs you more than time or money or your own pride and embarrassment? Because there are plenty of things today, plenty of things today that we could be fooled by that have some serious consequences and all it takes is somebody who is confident and convincing to pull it off. That's how my friend got people to stare up into an empty tree and even point that there was somebody up there. It's because he was convincing. He was confident in what they were saying or what he was saying and, and people bought it. There's a warning in this for all of us, everyone, you, me, everyone. We all can be fooled into things today they can have much more serious consequences than we may be wanting to pay. There's lots of things that we can be fooled, and all it takes is somebody who's convincing and confident. 
Colossians 2 says this, I want you to know, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. Laodicea was another city nearby, it's another church. And for many believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him, in Jesus, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you. So no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart's still with you. And I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith is in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. You will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than coming from Christ. So if you're caught up on this series at all, like you remember that, that this church in Colossae, this, this group of Christians that Paul's writing this letter to, they were being inundated like almost constantly with all these new philosophies on life, new, new religious takes, they were getting hammered with Gnosticism. Basically, syncretism was ruling the day. In their city, in their culture, syncretism was the way to go. And syncretism is just jumping into the philosophical or spiritual buffet line where you can pick and choose from whatever you want to create whatever belief system you want. And the people of Colossae, they gotten pretty good at this. Like they were good at creating. They were, they were good at setting up the buffet. They were good at telling people, hey, what you should pick and, and what you should let go. And it was all based on their own confidence, their own convincing take that they knew reality. They were convicted and they, they were confident that they knew what was truth. That they should tell people what they should pick and what they should disregard. And it was creating some confusion. So with the Christians in Colossae, they were confused. They're like, hey, uh, is, is Jesus truth? Because like, we, th we thought he was, but I'm not sure now. Is it, is it Jesus or is it all these other arguments that keep getting thrown in our face? So Paul writes them and he's like, guys, don't be deceived. And don't fall into it. I know these arguments sound really eloquent. They, they sound smart. They're convincing. But don't be deceived by it. Don't give in to these empty philosophies. They're just nonsense. It's all junk. That's what he's saying. Just because it sounds good, don't buy into it. Just because somebody's convincing and confident in what they're saying, don't buy into it because it's all based on human thought. It's all based on man's opinion. It comes from their own learning, their own teaching, their own experiences. Test what's being put in front of you. Don't look up into an empty tree just because somebody's yelling and it's really convincing that there's something up there. You got to test it. I think this is incredibly relevant for today. Because in 2019, we are being inundated constantly. Like with new philosophies on life. New arguments about what is truth. About how this thing is, is wrong now, even though it used to be right. Because it's wrong now because we've experienced something else. Like depending on whatever you're hearing in the media. Depending on what podcast you can listen to. Which there's podcasts on any subject you can imagine. Depending on what influencers happen to be pushing on social media, depending on, on what we read online, there is a microphone and a platform for every single philosophy, religious take, ideology, and way of living that you can imagine. This is what your political stance should be. 
This is what you should believe on social issues. This is where religion's place is or isn't in society today. This is what is right. This is the way you should live. This is what truth really is or really isn't. How can you buy into or believe something that's so wrong? That's the rhetoric that we hear constantly today. There's so many different arguments. It can be really easy for us to be deceived and to buy into something and just look like fools. So how do we keep from being deceived? How do we keep from staring up into an empty tree on stuff that's right or wrong? And I think uh, there's an impression today in the American church that you're supposed to check your brain at the door. You ever picked up on this before? Just check your brain at the door. And, And honestly, I think a lot of Christians have given this impression before. Don't think, don't ask questions, just believe. You ever heard that before or picked up on that? Can I just say something to that real quick? That could be further from the truth. Don't ever do that. Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. God gave you a brain. He gave you a mind. Don't ever check it at the door when you come in here. Ask questions. Dig. Use your brain. But I think that same message gets thrown out in our culture today too. It's just, it's just worded differently. When we celebrate free thought, you can believe whatever you want to believe, which is true. Hey, everybody's got their own opinion. Everybody can believe what, whatever they want to believe. That's, that's what's, what's put in front of us. But the real message goes something like this. Hey, here's what truth really is. Here's what should be adopted. Don't believe or accept anything that goes against the cultural flow. Just get on board. Don't think about it. We know what's right. And if you believe or accept anything otherwise, you're crazy. That's the message that, that comes out today. It's just another way of saying, check your brain at the door. Don't do that. Don't be deceived by things that are confident and convincing and even sound plausible. Like use the mind that God has given you to test everything that gets put in front of you. Don't just accept and adopt what gets thrown out, even if it sounds good, even if it sounds convincing. Because usually a convincing lie is truth. It's just twisted ever so slightly. Like most of us can pick up on stuff that just sounds crazy, right? And just is a bold-faced lie. Most of us can pick up on that. But the best and most convincing lies usually are truth. They're just twisted a little bit. That's why they sound so good. That's why they sound plausible. It's like, oh, yeah, man, I get that. That seems logical. I think I can buy into that. Don't just accept whatever gets thrown in front of you. Use your mind to discern it. Don't just accept what I say. Test it. Because how are you going to know what truth really is if you're not willing to objectively dig in for yourself? So my question for you, are you being fooled by anything right now? Are you staring up into a tree? Are you being fooled by something that you're buying into or, or something that you've already bought into? I mean, this makes me think. Like I'm trying to evaluate myself like, hey, what? Is there an argument that I keep hearing or I keep seeing that, I'm, that I've accepted, maybe, maybe even unintentionally and I don't even realize it? Are you being fooled? So wait against this. In him, in Jesus, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's a bold statement. It's exclusive. So if you want real knowledge, if you want real wisdom, it's in Jesus. It's a bold statement. 
It's a statement I believe that's true. So with a bold statement like that, you got to do something with it. Like you can push it aside and call it crazy and ignore it. You, you can. That's absolutely, that's one of your options. That's doing something with it. Or you can find out if it's true. The way you find out if it's true and the way you stand firm in it is through your head and through your heart. Why these verses say that we should dig our roots down into Jesus and that we should be knit together with strong ties of love. All right, so let's look at that. Rooted first. This is what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Law of the Lord could be translated to the Bible. It means the same thing. It means God's word. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So it's talking about God's word. It's talking about the Bible. And when Paul says in Colossians 2 to, to dig your roots down into Jesus, I got to think that he's picturing that tree in Psalm 1. So I did some, I'm reading on trees this week, and, and maybe you already knew this. I, I didn't know this already, but um, the general rule with trees is that the visible spread of the branches, so however wide the branches spread out and how far they reach, that visible spread is roughly equal to the invisible spread of the tree's roots. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? So however deep the roots go and however widespread the tree's roots are, that's going to determine how widespread the branches are and how far they reach. The farther they spread, the farther they reach, it means more shade, more fruit. It means a more beautiful tree. That's what Psalm 1 is talking about. That's what Colossians 2 is trying to remind us. Do you want to be a massive oak tree or do you want to be a Charlie Brown Christmas tree? Right? I mean, I love Charlie Brown, but come on. It's all about digging your roots down deep. Dig your roots down deep into Jesus, which means starting by digging your roots deep down into his word. But to know the full knowledge, the full wisdom of Jesus, knowing his word is step one. Paul uses this language. He says, you've got to be knit together with strong ties of love. What he means there is, hey, you and I, all of us, we've got to be connected in relationship and we've got to love each other. I can know something intellectually, but I'm going to really know it to its depths once I've experienced it and once I act on it. So I can read up on, I can watch on TV to, to learn about football, to learn about the quarterback position, to learn about teamwork. I can watch the Broncos to learn about football. <laughs> you knew I had to say it today, right? I just want you to know it took me every, it took everything in me not to wear a Colts shirt today. My, I mean, I, I want the Broncos to win, except for today. Like, man, just, just I'm trying to behave myself. I can watch football. I can study game film. I can learn the playbook. I can talk about teamwork. But I'm really going to know about all that stuff that I've studied once I get out on a field and start playing. Here's how that applies for us today. To know Jesus intellectually, to know his word is only step one. But you're really going to know him when you're connected with other believers in relationship. When I'm connected to you, if I know God's word, I'm going to learn it even more when I'm connected to you. When I see how your roots are, are dug down deep, when I see how God is growing you and the fruit and the shade that you happen to be producing, I'm going to experience that love by you loving me. When you love me and serve me, then I'm going I'm to experience that's how God is. 
So I'm going to do that to other people. Watching you serve and bless other people is how I'm going to understand that full knowledge, that full wisdom of God accompanied with his word. Because every single one of us, we want those kind of relationships. Like we want to be connected into authentic community. We all crave it. Like maybe you're looking for that right now. You're looking for community. You're looking for connection. But I'll just tell you this, another bold statement. The community that you will find in the church is the most fulfilling community you will find in the world because the community in the church is supposed to reflect the community that you're supposed to have with Jesus. Now, I just said a lot right there. It boils down to this. When you love Jesus, when you love his word, when you love his church, that's when you're going to start to experience the treasures of his full knowledge and full wisdom. Paul says, guys, don't be deceived by all these empty philosophies that are always changing, always changing. Be anchored into Jesus who is eternally unchanging. Like don't don't, don't give in to these well-crafted debates and, and arguments, but stay with Jesus who is eternally unchanging. Don't just fold into present day thought or whatever the hot topic or or popular opinion of the day is. Remember that all wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus. And the way we do that, the way we remember that is by digging our roots deep into his word, by being connected with each other and loving relationship. And then the last way we do it is by remembering the gospel and remembering your own personal story. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. We don't have to do that in here. That's great. That's good news. That's a joke, right? Just seeing if you're with me. Now, some of you are getting it now. Some of the guys are like, oh, gosh. Just read Galatians later today if you're bored. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's the gospel. Sit right there. If you've never heard that before, let it sink in. If you've heard that a thousand times, don't gloss over it. Don't be inoculated to it. So I'm going to read it again. Let this sink in. Just listen to this. For in Christ, in Jesus, lies all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, but had not been cut away yet. Then God made you alive with Christ. God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. I love that, by nailing it to the cross. So the sound of a judge's gavel slamming down, declaring you innocent... That's the same sound as the hammer driving nails into the cross. So when you hear that hammer driving a nail into the cross, every time you hear that sound, 
Think the word innocent. 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 Man, that's good news. Like, we got to remember that. You got to remember what Jesus has already done for you, what he's already done for me. Paul's saying, guys, remember what he did. Remember what he nailed to the cross all those years ago. Because if you remember what was nailed to the cross, that's going to keep you anchored when people are constantly yelling at you to stare up into empty trees. When, re- when you remember your story, when you remember what Jesus did for you, you will stay anchored. So what's your story? Like, you've got a story. You've got a story. And I'm sure there's parts of your story that you love. Some great memories, things you like to laugh about, think about, talk about, great parts of your story. But I bet there's also parts of your story that that you're not a big fan of. That you don't even want to think of, let alone talk about. Parts of your story that you'd like to forget. Maybe just gloss over. Maybe, Maybe you want to just avoid your story altogether. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you want to dwell too much on your story. Here's the thing. The past is a great place for for reflection. It's not a great place for residence. We should absolutely reflect on the past, the good and the bad. Absolutely. We just shouldn't live in the past. And we all know that that principle is true just by looking at the guy that will never stop talking about what he did in high school sports. Right? Right? That guy, that, yeah, the glory days. You just you beat me to it. The glory days. Always talking about the glory days. Like, you know that guy. The guy that, please, stop wearing your letter jacket. Dude, I'm trying to help you. Like, stop talking about what you did in high school sports or, or, or what would have happened if coach would have only put you in in the big game. Just like, let it go, Uncle Rico. Let it go. Like, all right. Some of you caught that reference. Some of you like, Uncle Rico, who's that? You'll have to figure it out. And don't live in the glory days. But at the same time, don't live in your past pain either. I don't live in past shame or past guilt. Don't live in your circumstances. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to forget about that thing that happened to you years ago. It's really hard to let go of that that thing that happened over a long period of time that caused you so much pain. Sometimes it's really hard to shake the fact that you just wish you could have that one night back. Or it's hard to forget about what that person said to you or what they never said to you. It's really easy to build a house and put it right in the middle of your past and stay there. But when you do that, you're letting the story of your past define you instead of letting it remind you. Like if if you're in Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, then you were raised. You were dead. But now you've been made alive. Now you've been given new life. Yeah, remember where you were. Remember what happened. Absolutely. But remembering where you were, just remembering it so you know who you are now and whose you are now. If you just reminisce, like, hey, I'm just going to reflect on the past. If that's what you're doing, or if I'm going to set up a house and residence in the middle of my past, depending on which one you're doing, is going to tell you which story you're letting define you. Are you letting the story of your past define you, or are you letting the story of the cross define you? 
if the story of your circumstances, past, present, and future, if that's what defines you, then the definition of you is going to constantly change because your circumstances are always changing. Like your career is always in flux. It could change at any moment. One day it's going to be over. Your relationships are always changing. People are going to be in and out of your life. There's going to be some people that will be with you for the majority of your life, but that's not a given. Your finances are always changing, depending on what's going on with your job or what's going on with the markets. Hobbies, health, all of it's always changing. If the story of your circumstances defines you, the only thing that you're going to know is change. It's the only thing that's constant. Change is a really good thing. But if change is all you know, then uncertainty is all you know. And if uncertainty is all you know, you're never going to experience true freedom. But if the story of the cross is what defines you, then the thing that's constant in your life is the cross itself. So whatever is in your past, whatever your present looks like, whatever your future holds, you're always going to know what defines you if this cross is a part of your story. Your circumstances do not define you. The cross does. Raised to new life. Given new life. A new creation. Who who doesn't love new? And here's the the really cool thing. If uncertainty is all that you experience, you're always going to feel trapped, right? Like, I don't know what's next. Well, I don't know what's next either. But I know what's constant. The constancy and the consistency of the cross will give you freedom. Because you never have to wonder what defines you or how it defines you. You are not defined by what was nailed to the cross. That's your past. You're defined by who was nailed to the cross. That's your present, that's your future. Remember this. The power of the cross is greater than the power of your past. It just is. The power of the cross is far greater than the power of your past. There are so many different pasts represented in this room right now. So many different ones. Some things that you would be shocked by, some things that you would be embarrassed by, some things that you you might even be scared by. But no matter what past is represented in this room right now, no matter what's in your past, no matter what's in my past, the power of the cross is greater than all of it. So let me ask you just two questions as we close out. First one, what story led you here today? What story led you here today? What's your story? Is your story one of success or shame? Is it one of pain or promise? Is is your story full of regret or or redemption? Is is your story all about uncertainty or or certainty? What's your story? It's like 11 questions. (laughs) Last question. Are you willing to let Jesus write a new story for you? Amen. A story that cannot be topped, cannot be topped. A story that will give you life to the full. A story that will give you the real freedom you're looking for. The real relationships you're looking for. The real hope and love you're looking for. What's your story? What's your story? And are you willing to let Jesus write a new story for you? I want to give you a chance to respond to it. Like maybe today is the day where you're saying, all right, man, I'm going to let him write a new story for me. He's got a pen in his hand ready to go. I don't have all my questions answered. I'm not sure if Jesus really is more powerful than my past. If he only knew my mess, he does know your mess. And you're still loved. You're still wanted. 
If you're ready to respond to him, I want to let you do that. There's going to be some of our staff over by the cross after the service. I'll be out in the lobby. Come grab me. Come grab us. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray over you. We'd love to answer any questions that you got. And maybe you're ready to take that step of baptism. We'll get you hooked up for next weekend. Where someone, when you're being baptized, all you're saying is, hey, I'm all in. Jesus is now my Lord and Savior. I want to follow him in faith. Maybe that's you. And if Jesus has already written a new story for you, let this be a reminder to you. Man, this should be encouraging when we remember what was nailed to the cross. Not what happened in our past, not what's happening right now, not the uncertainty of our future. We remember what was nailed to the, pa- what nailed to the cross, and that's what defines us. So if that's you, let it be an encouragement. So I'm going to pray for us and then let's worship, all right? Father, thank you for, thank you for being stronger than, than our past. Thank you that we can find true wisdom and we can find true knowledge and it's all hidden in your son, Jesus. James says that if we ask for it in faith, that you will give us wisdom abundantly. Well, let us have faith to ask for it. Give us a new hunger to pursue it, that we would dig our roots deep into your word, that you would open your word to our eyes. Things that are confusing become clear to us and that you would knit us together with strong relationships that Paul talks about. God, I pray that our church would be a church that's so unified that it's contagious. That we're so connected in loving relationship that it's just so contagious to other people. Now you prayed in John 17 that your church would be unified. Well, we're asking for the same thing right now. Unify us, connect us together. Give you, we want to give you the glory. And Father, draw all men and women to yourself because of it. We love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.